Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. This morning we began with pictures of international workers in the Middle East from nine years ago. Yes, the Middle East is dominating our news right now. Uh, It's again in intense turmoil and warfare. Sparked by an unprovoked and brutal attack by Hamas, Israel has targeted its military forces on on Gaza, which is the home base and the headquarters of Hamas. Almost 2 million Palestinians lived in Gaza, most not a part of militant Hamas, but all of them are caught up as the battle rages around them. Refugees running for their lives, some who are staying behind, seemingly being used as human shields. This is horrific. It's nothing that we can even begin to comprehend. Our Western minds can't understand the depths of this warfare or the strategies of either Hamas or Israel. But our God, the God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, our God knows and understands. So to him we come, to him we cry out, to him we pray. As we pray, we're going to pray for this situation that I've mentioned. We're also going to pray for other hot spots in the world, including Ukraine, We don't hear nearly as much about Ukraine because the news is dominated by the conflict in the Middle East. But Ukraine warfare is still going on and it seems to be even intensifying. Also over in China and Taiwan, that unrest continues to be a hot spot. Lots of difficult areas around the world. We don't know what all will happen, but we trust in the one who does our God and Father. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as people of faith, faith in Jesus, your only Son, our Savior. Lord, we can't begin to fully comprehend all the warfare and the fighting and the motivations and Uh, There are things that we think of that seem to be such an easy thing. Just stop shooting. Make some negotiations. But it's certainly not so simple. Lord, you know, uh, Lord, the hearts of the people uh, and all aspects of this conflict. You know what's going on. You know uh, the sin. You know the evil. Uh, You know those who are standing for righteousness. Lord, We need you. You've called on us in the scriptures to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So, Lord, we do pray for peace. We pray for peace in that land. We pray for protection. But, Lord, we also see the conflict and the many people who are uh, victims of this conflict. And we ask, Lord, for mercy. We ask, Lord, for resolution. We ask, Lord, for peace. Lord, Would you work even in the midst of all the struggles and the warfare? Would there be a way that some of those people's hearts will be turned to the Messiah, to Jesus who gave himself for them? 
Lord, we ask for your mercy. We think of the people of Ukraine and the ongoing fighting between Russia and Ukraine. And Lord, uh, times are desperate there. We ask, Lord, for your help. Uh, we ask for a peace. We ask for a resolution. Uh, have mercy. Lord, we pray also for the situation in the uh, Taiwan Strait uh, with Taiwan and China and the seems to be forever saber-rattling, uh, threatening, and the uh, always on high alert in that area. We pray, Lord, for your work. We pray for peace. We see how all of these conflicts can feed off of each other and how the world can uh, go into chaos. So, Lord, we ask for your work. We ask for wisdom for our government. Uh, Lord, we seem to be uh, so out of sorts that we can't get much done in our Congress. Uh, but we pray, Lord, that there will be cooler minds to prevail and to work on these situations. Lord, we pray for wisdom for our leadership, uh, for the president and his cabinet, uh, as they make decisions that impact uh, other areas of the world. Lord, we pray for your insight and your help. Lord, as a church family, we lift up these worldwide needs and we also come closer to home and ask for your guidance uh, in the elections that will be taking place on Tuesday. We pray that you will give us insight as we go to the polls to vote. Thank you that uh, our church can serve as a precinct uh, host. And we pray, Lord, for your uh, help for everything that will be going on on Tuesday, uh, that things will run smoothly uh, and safely. We trust in you for your help. We also are asking you, Lord, for our next pastor. Uh, you know already who that person is. Uh, you have your hand on that one. And even though he may not yet know that you're calling him to serve us as pastor, uh, Lord, we know that you are uh, working things out. So, Lord, would you reveal this person uh, to our district leadership? Would you reveal this person to our, our board? Uh, Lord, would you uh, help our board as they work through uh, our profile and getting things ready so that we are prepared and ready for a pastoral candidate? Lord, we uh, just ask for you to superintend this whole situation. And we pray for our former pastor, Pastor Landon, uh, as today is a he was fully installed last week and now is preaching uh, this morning his first uh, sermon as senior pastor there at the church in Cincinnati. And we pray, Lord, for your blessing, your encouragement, your strength. We pray, Lord, for your spirit to empower him. Lord, as we open up your word, we pray that your spirit will speak. Uh, Lord, use the words that you've given me and Lord, empower your word for your word is great and powerful like a, a, a hammer that shatters the rock into pieces. Lord, we trust in you. Bless us in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you would turn with me, please, in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Actually, we're going to be in chapter 2 today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
During the rest of the weeks of November, we'll be continuing a study of uh, 1 Thessalonians, Paul's letter to the uh, sort of fledgling church that was there. Fledgling yet strong, a church that was uh, inspirational to others around them. People could see the difference that Jesus was making in their lives. And so the people uh, were responding well. So Paul is writing to them. Now, as you're turning to that place in your Bibles, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, we want to remember, as we talked about on previous Sunday, uh, Sundays, that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had ministered in the city of Thessalonica for three weeks. Uh, they had previously been in Philippi. And at Philippi, uh, they had experienced great persecution and, and trouble. And yet, as they came to Thessalonica, many people responded to their preaching. The Scripture told us in Acts chapter 17 that some of the Jews heard and responded. Many of the Gentiles heard and responded, and a significant number of influential women also. So God was blessing the ministry there in Thessalonica. Uh, as we read in this passage now from chapter 2, we're going to occasionally pause and I'll make some comments about the verses that we're reading and we're going to work our way through the chapter. Uh, so let's begin at verse 1. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this, his gospel in spite of strong opposition. So pause just with me for a moment. Uh, remember, Paul and his companions back in Philippi had been beaten uh, by the police. They were arrested. They were thrown into the inner uh, depths of the jail there in Philippi, sort of the dungeon, so to speak. They were uh, chained to the wall. Uh, this was a terrible place. And yet, God worked even in spite of that. The updated New International Version translation says that they were treated outrageously in Philippi. Gives us a little bit more of the oomph uh, behind what's going on here. Uh, this was just before they came to Thessalonica. They were expelled from Philippi, and they had to come uh, to another place, and they came to Thessalonica, which wasn't very far away from Philippi. Under threat and still facing intense persecution, they dared to come to Thessalonica and preach the Word of God. Their lives were still in danger, but they continued to tell people about Jesus. So as we, we look at this, we come back to verse 3. A part of the opposition and the pressure and the persecution against Paul were people who were questioning his motives. Verse 3, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, nor from you or anyone else. Now let's think about these verses. Accused of false motives and trickery, Paul reminded them of his suffering and of his giving themselves for them. Uh, he told about his true motive. 
His true motive was not to please people, not to somehow fool people or to get people to like him in a certain way. But his goal was to please God in all that he did. That was his purpose, his plan. And in pleasing God, he was sharing the good news of the gospel with them. Uh, God's message to the people. His heart longed to please God and to tell others about Jesus. Then we come to verse 7. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. As apostles, they could have demanded financial support. They could have said to the believers, we're apostles. This is our right. You should be supporting us. They could have done that. Uh, and they could have exerted their authority to make that happen. But Paul and his, and his team chose not to do that. Instead, they worked with their own hands to earn their living while they also used every opportunity to tell others about Jesus. Paul says they could have demanded support, but instead they were gentle with them, gentle like a nursing mother is with her baby. Sometimes when we... Uh, read about the Apostle Paul, or even when we talk about the Apostle Paul in terms of leadership uh, principles, we talk about Paul being the one who's going to go take the hill. He's the one that knows the plan, and he's going to go no matter what. And here we see he's not just a no matter what. He is gentle with them. He's loving and caring with them and compassionate, as a nursing mother would be with her child. Let's continue reading. Verse 8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Paul again appeals to them as his personal witnesses. You were there. You saw what we were like. You saw our lives. You saw our character. You saw how we lived among you. You understand this. You know how we lived, how we lived holy lives righteous lives, blameless before you. And he encouraged them, uh, as a father would encourage his children, to do well, uh, make good decisions, uh, go ahead and have courage to do the good things. He, like that father, had encouraged them to live for the Lord, to live as kingdom citizens for the Lord. Notice in verse 12, it says that God calls you into his kingdom and glory. One commentary I read mentioned that the, the verb tense for call is present tense. So it could be translated, God is calling you. Like he's calling you now, and he's calling you now, and next, and next. He continues in that calling to you. It is a continual calling to us to live uh, into his kingdom and glory. So that's true for us here today too. God is calling us calling us into his kingdom and for his glory. He's calling us to live for him. Not just that we thought about that years ago, but he's calling us today and he's calling us tomorrow. He's calling us to live as kingdom citizens, to give ourselves for him, to live for his glory. Uh, God calls you to give your heart to him. 
to live for Him, to be everyday citizens for His kingdom and for His glory. Then we go on to verse 13. Sorry, I lost my spot here. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Let me ask the question. How did they receive Paul's proclamation of God's word? They received it not as human words, but rather as what it actually was. It was the word of God, the true word of God, the divine word of God, which is actively working in them that believe. The Bible is the word of God. This is God's word that is given to us. Receive it and believe it. Live by its instruction, by the love of God as he shared with us in there in the scriptures. Verse 14, for you, brothers, became imitators of God's church in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. The Jews of Paul's day were doing everything they could to oppose the gospel. They brought intense opposition to bear on the, the believers. They had teams following Paul to disrupt his team, to cause confusion, to prevent them from sharing the good news of Jesus. Rather than accepting the truth of Jesus, the Messiah, they added to their sins, rejecting Jesus and preventing others from hearing the good news. They would be held responsible by God himself. We go on to verse 17. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, that was in person, but not in our thoughts. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. After just three weeks, Paul and his team had to flee from Thessalonica. So they're, they're a short period of time, but they had grown so in love with these people. They had bonded with them. Uh, they were very dear to them. And so they cared so much about what was going on. They felt like when they had to leave that it was as if they had been torn away, almost as if they had been orphaned. Uh, they had that deep longing in their hearts to be able to come back and to see them again. Paul says, we had such a longing to come back and we tried to come again and again and again, but Satan prevented us. We don't know how Satan prevented them uh, from being able to come back, but we see his heart. He wanted to be able to be back there. He wanted to be with the people whom he loved. He wanted to, to share with them. Now, some of the Thessalonians, when Paul didn't come back right away, may have felt deserted, especially when the opposition was trying to turn people away from him. They were probably spreading false rumors about Paul. They were, we already know they were telling about false motives. So they might have been saying, well, he was trying to deceive you. Now he's on to somebody else. 
who tried to discredit Paul's ministry in any way that they could. So some of them may have wondered about Paul. But Paul reassured him of his love by telling of his efforts and then sharing the beautiful verses in verses 19 and 20. Basically saying, what is our hope, our joy, our crown that we will have when we meet Jesus face to face? Is it not you? Are you not the ones that we will thrill to be with and to present to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Uh, It will be a thrill for us to see Jesus face to face. Paul would say, I want to see Jesus. I want to see him first of all. But he's also going to say, Jesus, let me present these people, these dear friends, these one whom I've, I've loved and whom you allowed me to have a part in bringing to you. Uh, he looked forward. They were his hope, his joy, his crown. Paul had not deserted them. He had not forgotten them. They were still at the forefront of his thoughts. They were always in his heart. He loved them. He loved them deeply. And he wanted to uh, excel in their faith, their ministries, and their lives. So Paul was looking forward with hope, looking ahead to the day when Jesus returned, when Paul himself would see Jesus. And with Paul would be those believers from Thessalonica, from Philippi, and from the other cities like Corinth that he was at uh, that had given their hearts to Jesus through the ministry of Paul and his team. And uh, he was looking at that. His heart was thrilled at the thought of presenting them all to Jesus, of being reunited with them in the presence of Jesus himself. Looking ahead to that day, looking ahead to the day when we see Jesus, of being with Jesus, free from sin, from suffering, from sickness and all sorrow, of being with Jesus along with those for whom we have given our lives. This is our shared hope along with Paul. What is our hope? What is our Joy, what is our crown? It is you. It is you. Brothers and sisters, you are deeply loved. Loved by the Father, demonstrated through Jesus. Jesus loves you. Not just because the Bible says so, but you know he loves you. He's worked in your heart. He gave himself for you. Uh, You know the love of a pastor, Pastor Landon. Whenever I talk to him, he's talking about you. You are part of his heart. Uh, And Susan and I are getting to know you. We're trying to figure out names and faces and things like that, but we love you too. Uh, There's a love of the body, the love of believers. God loves you. Do you believe it? Somebody can nod their head. Somebody could shout an amen. Yes, do you believe it? God loves you. God loves you. Uh, Have you believed with your mind and trusted in your heart that Jesus died for you? Have you accepted him as your Savior? Have you trusted in him uh, to forgive you for your sins? Will you? On his behalf, I invite you to trust in Jesus, to place your faith in him, to give your heart to him. And now look at the picture behind me again. What do you see? I've already mentioned that these are international workers in the Middle East. So you know the location is the Middle East. 
These are beginning their journey, a journey to reach others with the good news of Jesus. So they're beginning, and they're walking away from the camera. As they walk away from the camera, they're walking to the people whom God will give, who will lead them to. They're walking in hope of what God will accomplish. They're walking in hope of those that will be their crown, their joy, their hope. Uh, So there's that hope as they look ahead uh, down this road. Uh, The land that you see there seems barren. uh, And the ruins around them indicate hardship and opposition, yet still they go. Why do they go? Why did Paul and his companions go when people kept uh, arresting, beating, or running them out of town on a rail? I mean, they uh, suffered greatly. Uh, Paul talks in the book of Acts about all the different suffering that he went through. Uh, But he didn't talk about it to bring glory to the suffering. He talked about it because he wanted to say, I'm all in for Jesus. I want to tell others about Jesus. They had personally experienced the heart of God for themselves and for lost people. And they wanted to share that heart with others. Their hearts moved forward in love for the people, the people with whom they would share the good news, the people with whom or for whom they would sacrifice themselves so that they could point them to Jesus. Those who would believe, those who would be precious and loved, their joy, their hope, their crown. Where do you fit in this journey? Have you experienced the love of Jesus yourself? Have you experienced his love? Have you given your heart to him? Have you received from him forgiveness? Then how are you sharing his love with others around you? People need to know the love of God. People need to know a love that is unlike any love they've ever experienced. Uh, A love that loves even before we loved him. As believers, we need to love others even before they love us before they care for us. We need to reach out somehow to touch, to speak, to care, to show love to others. Whom will you love for Jesus?